None of the MLB wildcard series reach a third and decisive game as the Rays turn out to be frauds, the Twins get a piano off their backs, the Diamondbacks strike in Milwaukee, and another Phillies Brave showdown highlight what took place over the past couple of days and what lies ahead in the division series as I'll preview that. Don't look now, but the NHL season is upon us. I'll take a peek at the upcoming year with a Stanley Cup final prediction as the curtain is raised on Tuesday. Cowboys 49ers headline a ho-hum NFL Week 5 schedule. The Red River shootout between Oklahoma and Texas ushers in Week 6 of college football. And James Harden reports to camp in the midst of his request to be traded out of Philadelphia. I'll share all my thoughts on the above and much more. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, the J Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review, I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December. But what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Wills Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, Michael people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. Pumped up for another loaded podcast that will have your cup runneth over with so much to get into as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me, going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle or even as early as this past Monday, I welcome you guys and gals back. And before I begin, I have a programming note. That next Monday, or this coming Monday I should say, and next Thursday, there will not be a podcast. I know, tough time of year to do so, I get it, people are going to say, Jay Reels, how can you bail out on us for a week when we have NFL percolating with a week five, college football, the division series starts this weekend, NBA's on the horizon, the NHL drops the puck on Tuesday, how could you just jump ship, what's going on? Well, this coming Monday is my second wedding anniversary, and the wife and I are taking a trip overseas to celebrate that. So therefore, I'm not packing my equipment, I'm not going to have that impede, and yes, it's going to be tough. I understand this isn't the Sports Dead Zone 1 or 2 where taking a week off or even a podcast off, whether it's on a Monday or Thursday, wouldn't be as painful, but listen, when we have... Moments in life to cherish and value and celebrate, that comes first. And I'm sure you can understand that and maybe even relate to a certain degree. But I will say this, there is some consolation. Follow me on my YouTube channel, at J Reels. I will keep everybody abreast if anything breaking or anything crazy goes on in the world of sports. Be sure to get my one minute snippet or if I have to even go into a commentary, I will do so. So have no fear. I'm not disappearing altogether, at least from talking about what it is that I love and getting a take or an opinion, whatever it may be that's going to happen here over the course of the next 10 days. So please follow me, subscribe, like, whatever, at J Reels on YouTube as I will deliver anything that's going on in the world of sports, although I won't be in front of this mic here for another 10 days or so. So I had to get that out of the way. My apologies ahead of time, but like I said... To celebrate this second year of our union and going away. And I get it that there's going to be a time difference. So you may get stuff that's going to take place, let's say, at 8 p.m. Or maybe sometime in the middle of the afternoon where I may be asleep overseas. So there will be that time adjustment. But as long as you subscribe and it'll pop up on your feed, 
you will get to hear what I have to say about what's going to happen here over the course of the next week and a half. So with that being said, let's segue to the last couple of days in Major League Baseball. And the only thing I could say about it in two words, very disappointing. I thought we'd have at least two series, let alone one that would at least go three games. And think about this, when we look back at the last two years of this expanded playoff, and this is the pandemic year notwithstanding, but with the expanded playoffs, the six teams in each league, and last year was the first time we had that wild card scenario where it wasn't a one-shot deal, winner take all to advance to the division series. You had the wild card last year, best of three, and this year, and out of the eight series, you only had one series go the distance in a three-game set. And sadly, that one series that went the distance was the Padres and Mets, and we saw what happened there in the third game where the Padres one-hit the Mets, and the game was over by the third inning where the Padres went going away 6 nothing. So for these first two years in this format, they have produced nothing but duds. But even more so this year, because at least last year you had the drama with Seattle and Toronto, and even the Tampa Bay-Cleveland, where the second game went 18 innings before Oscar Gonzalez hit that home run. And yes, at least you had something to hang your hat on as far as some thrills, as far as some drama, excitement, where this round here over the last 48 hours had been a straight-up dud. And the biggest disappointment of all has to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Here's a team that won 99 games in the regular season, got off to that 13-0 start. They won all those home games to begin the 2023 year. And check these receipts. The June 12th podcast, when there wasn't much to talk about, I guess at the time when it came to baseball, and me explaining how the Rays, although I've gotten off to this tremendous start, and they've been phenomenal, and who knows, maybe this is the year where they could get back to a World Series, and I understand they did do so in 2020, pandemic season, of course, with the 60 games, etc., but because of the way they played and how they came right out of the gate and looked like a team that could have been a juggernaut, maybe win 105 games, maybe be that favorite to come out of the American League, and here it was for the second year in a row, they couldn't hit their way out of a wet paper bag They had to scratch and claw just to get one run in the 18 innings that they played against the Texas Rangers, which was similar to last year when they produced one run in game one. And I believe that game was 1-0, if I'm not mistaken, the aforementioned Oscar Gonzalez home run, where they couldn't even, when you think about it, in a total of three games, produce one run. Well, that same theme carried over into this postseason. And what happened? Now they are on the golf course or planning their early fall vacation and that is just an absolute disgrace and on top of all that when they draw 19,000 in game one there what was it Tuesday afternoon three o'clock and we could talk about the time and kids coming out of school and people having to take off work etc but for all the talk about Tampa and how and really they play in St. Petersburg let's call it as we see it for them looking to break ground on a new stadium near the site of the Tropicana field where it's at now And I don't care if that building looks like the second coming of the Astrodome going back to the early 60s or it could look like Jerry's World, AT&T or any of these new stadiums that you'll see, obviously in a much more condensed version because it's not as if they're going to build an 80 or 90,000 seat stadium for the Rays, but it could be so state of the art that you could fly in on a helicopter pad to the top of the stadium and have a stairway to get you into the building. It doesn't matter. That place is going to draw flies. The fans aren't going to flock. And even with a 99-win season, for them not to show up and show out, and I understand because when you see the type of baseball they played here over the last couple of days, who would want to go to a new ballpark or even the current one now to watch this team just fizzle, implode, and literally shrink in a big spot as we saw here. And I understand that's not giving credit to the Texas Rangers considering that they lost three out of four in Seattle. They spit the... AL West in the final couple of days of the season and had to fly from Seattle to Tampa to prepare and get ready for the start of this wildcard round. But give it up to Bruce Bochy, who has seen his way around winning teams, the three World Series teams that he had in San Francisco. And whatever that flight or the day off in Tampa on Monday 
Whatever he cast a spell on his team, boy, they came ready, prepared, and just shot out of a cannon to the point where they swept the Rays 4-0 and 7-1 yesterday. And kudos to them. But this is more about Tampa, their season, and how they just gagged in another big spot. And all you could say for the 25 Rays fans that are out there, you have to wonder whether or not this team, as I said before, and I'll say one last time, they could have all the, of the regular season success that they had, even with the limited resources, and they find the gems, and they make the big trades for players a la Randy Orozarena, bringing him on board, becoming an all-star, a threat offensively, and doesn't matter. Because when the calendar turns to October, and yes, I understand we can say 2020, but 2021, they folded against the Red Sox there up in Fenway. Last year, as we talked about with the Guardians, and now this year with the Rangers, what more proof do we need? Just an out-and-out disgrace, and I'll get into more about the manager, because this isn't all on him. The offense didn't produce. I know Zach Eflin did not pitch well either, but I don't want to hear that the injury to Shane McClanahan, who looked like a Cy Young Award winner by the All-Star break, and then you had the circumstances with Juan DeFranco. I don't want to hear that that engulfed the team or that was one of the reasons why they lost. Uh-uh, no excuses. They did not hit. They squeezed the bat a little bit too tightly. We all know that Tampa's not a hotbed for baseball, but boy, that was just a flameout for a team that was one win shy of 100 for the year. And for them to come up as small as they did, to me, they're the storyline here over the first couple of days of this postseason. And yes, we could discuss how the Milwaukee Brewers in their own right with their big-time pitching, Corbin Burns, and in this particular case, Freddie Peralta, they both had 3-0 and 2-0 leads and they couldn't bring their teams home. And that was a shame considering that the Arizona Diamondbacks literally limped and backed into this postseason, losing four in a row. I thought that this was going to be a sweep. I thought that the Brewers, now they're offensively challenged, but we thought that their pitching would rise to the occasion and save the day for the Brewers to advance to the division series? Not the case. Give it up for the Diamondbacks to show some grit, to show some heart as they came back from those two deficits in those first couple of games. And here they are, standing tall, flying out west to face their division foes in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And for Tory Lovello and company, who would have thought that this would have been an easy, maybe 0-2 Series loss and in and out, just happy to be there. That was not the case. You have to give it up for what they've done. And I don't know if Arizona, we'll talk about the division series in a minute, but that was another just awful job by the Brewers. And I'm going to say this. For all the rumors that are going to be circulating about the new Met manager, And David Stearns, the former vice president of baseball ops in Milwaukee, if he thinks that Craig Council is going to be the panacea for all the Met fans' woes, then he does not have a pulse of the city, the fan base, and he's from Flushing. So if there's any guy on the planet that would have one iota of what the pulse of the fan base and just knowing that it's been 37 years and counting for this team not to have a World Series victory, then this is going to be a tough few years with Stearns at the helm. And I understand who else is out there, who are you going to pluck from some organization, whether they're a first base coach or a bench coach on some other team, or even a guy like Kevin Cash, God forbid that they would go that route. And that's not to knock Cash by any stretch, but the whole point of the matter is, is the analytic aspect of it. That they just swear by the book that it has to go down in this particular way. And I'm going to get to that in a second. So with the analytical type manager that's going to collaborate with the front office, with all the analytic geeks and the statisticians and all whatever it is that drives baseball here over the last few years, to the diehard fan like myself, they're going to see right through it and that's not going to cut it. So I'm just putting that out there right now because you know in the days to come, I can already see the press conference, Craig Council with the jersey raised high or at least up to the eyes for New York and the whole baseball world to see. And all I'm going to do is shake my head and go, here we go again. We've seen this before with Mickey Calloway. We've seen this before with Luis 
Rojas, we've seen this plenty of times. So I'm just putting that out there just for everybody to know now. You know me with the receipts. So stay tuned for that because we know that that's going to come down the pike sometime over the course of the next few weeks, if not sooner. And now let's get to it. Congratulations to the Minnesota Twins. Talk about a piano on their backs. They had lost 18 straight postseason games dating back to 2004. A lot of those losses were at the expense of the Yankees. We could go through all those just devastating defeats over the years. Joe Nathan in 2009, that one just comes to mind with A-Rod. They had a 3-1 lead. I believe that was game one. And you can forget about they were not to be heard from the rest of that series. Phil Cuzzy on the left field line, that ball that I believe Mark Teixeira hit. And it was foul. This is before replay, people. But it was fair. And I believe that was in the ninth inning where the Yankees tied the game and then Teixeira... Walked it off, I believe, in extra innings. All these games we could go through with the Twins. But they were able to finally get over the hump, similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Although the Maple Leafs finally won a playoff series, as we saw there in April. But now the Minnesota Twins, do they have a bit of momentum going into the next round? Well, we shall see as they're going to head to Houston. But for the Twins, give it up. They pitched well. Sonny Gray and... Pablo Lopez did their jobs, and the Twins advance. Yes, newsflash. The Twins not only win a playoff game, but they advance for the first time in forever. And funny as this may seem, the irony of it all, the Blue Jays pitched Jose Barrios, the former twin, who they got in a trade a couple of years back and then signed him to a long-term deal. The manager, John Schneider, for whatever the reason, Barrios or Barrios, however you want to pronounce it, goes three innings, pitches well, strikes out five batters, and then he walks the leadoff hitter in the top of the fourth inning. What in the hell is he doing pulling his starting pitcher at that point? And from that moment on, that's where the inning imploded. That's where the Twins got their two runs. Mind you, it wasn't an uprising. It wasn't as if they put up a four or five spot where the Blue Jays were going to have all the air let out of the balloon. But the Blue Jays couldn't hit in a big spot as we saw there with Tampa. And for the Twins to just hang on and win those two games, obviously they did just enough offensively and we talked about the starting pitching. But for John Snyder to pull his pitcher and even one of his players, Whit Merrifield gave you an excellent quote. And I'm sure he said this not only just for him and his team, but pretty much for the baseball fan that knows baseball the way it should be played. And there's a quote. He said, I hated it, frankly. Meaning of the removal of Berrios in that fourth inning. He said, it's not what cost us the game, but it's the kind of baseball decisions that are taken away from managers and baseball at this stage of the game. That should be spread across every bulletin board in every clubhouse throughout Major League Baseball, and I don't care who you are, I don't care how much baseball you watch, I don't care how many stats that you roll your sleeves up and dive your nose headfirst into your laptops, the game should not be played that way. Like Todd Zeal, and I got this from him, the former Met played on a bunch of Major League Baseball teams and is a studio analyst at SNY, the Met Network here in New York. So many managers, so many GMs, so many front office people... Instead of the eye test, they look at the iPad. And that's it. They have no feel for these games. That once a pitcher gives up a walk or a base hit, all right, what's the next option we should go to? Uh, What can we do here in order to see what we can when it comes to pitcher to batter or third time around the lineup or does he look tired or whatever it is? It's all nonsense. It's what's killed the game. And thankfully, with the rule changes this year, it's made a quicker game and obviously a more enjoyable game. You don't have to labor through a three and a half, nine inning game that we once did just going back a couple of years. But when we have situations where the manager right away, when he feels like his pitcher's in trouble, okay, let's go to plan B, plan C, plan D. They have all these different options. And when it doesn't work, it's like, well, it just didn't work. Well, maybe if you kept the guy in and have him gut out through an inning or maybe he gets a double play on the next pitch, would you even have to think about taking out your pitcher? Just an absolute disgrace. And it's just a shame that it came down to that for the Blue Jays. And Schneider's going to have to answer to that all 
winter long and even into spring training. So you had that scenario with those two. And then the Marlins, I think the lights were a little bit too bright for them. The Phillies, I'm sure that they're going to be on a mission knowing that they have the Braves on deck. And they took care of the Marlins. They also didn't hit in the series. And they had a very good year. They were spunky. They were very gritty. And also had to play with a lot of guts down the stretch as we talked about last week. That whole scenario with the Mets. City Field with the game that was postponed because the field conditions were poor. And then they had to stay until almost 1 o'clock in the morning before they had to get on a plane to go to Pittsburgh to conclude their season. Just an absolute mess. But they were able to play well. And kudos to them, but one more time, they have a bunch of young players who don't know any better, and the Phillies, who had a World Series run last year, that was a recipe for disaster for a young Marlins team that, who knows, maybe they could build off of this experience, even for the manager, Skip Schumacher, his first go-around as a skipper, but it was just too much for the Marlins to overcome as the Phillies just blitzed them right out of the city of brotherly love with another 2-0 series wild card as we've seen with the other three series and now as we move on to the divisional series which are going to be compelling to say the least and I'll go through this quickly before I move on Minnesota and Houston Carlos Correa against his former team and I believe that the twins they're not going to have a snowball's chance in hell with a lot of the prognosticators but I will say this I think the twins will get a split in Houston It's just a matter of what the Twins are going to do in their building against the Astros. Because as we all know, the Astros are a very good road team. At home, there were three games on the 500. And I could see them maybe laboring through the first few innings of this opener here on Saturday. Maybe the Twins, with enough gas in their tank, will have enough adrenaline and maybe a push to steal a game one. Or if not, maybe they somehow, someway pull off a game two. But the games in Minnesota are going to be huge because the Astros are not going to be intimidated. They're not going to be afraid. They actually won in that building a few years back, the year of the pandemic, I believe. So when all the chips fall and how the cookie will crumble in this series, I think the Astros will win in four. But I believe the Twins will give them a little scare here right out of the gate. As far as Texas and Baltimore... The storylines here, and I know I should have probably got into which I usually do with my storylines. The first one, I would think, would be the Orioles. The Astros, not so much, even though they've been terrible at home and they won a World Series. Can they repeat? I understand we could use that narrative to see whether or not that the Astros can go back-to-back. And remember, we haven't had a back-to-back World Series champion going back to the three-peat of the Yankees in the late 90s and 2000s. So who knows, maybe the baseball gods feel that a team is due and it could be the Astros. Well, that remains to be seen. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Astros will fizzle out at some point. But for the Orioles and the magical season that they had, now they're going to go up against a Texas Ranger team that has a lot of confidence. And Max Scherzer, based on what I read, that he had thrown off of a mound and is feeling fine. Who knows if he's going to start game one or game three back in Texas. That hasn't been determined as of yet, but if Scherzer is healthy and he felt no pain and is ready to go, that could be a scenario where even if you put Scherzer game one, you could bring him back for a game five, but maybe they want to be cautious to just have him pitch a game three, and if they happen to get out of that series, maybe game one in the league championship series if they get that far. But I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on this Oriole team because Texas knows that they had a... Just a rough go at it from August and September. And even though they were in first place in the final week of the season, but they spit that up. And now that they have some wind in their sails, you wonder whether or not a young Oriole team is going to come out flat, is not going to be as crisp with this five-day layoff. And I think the Rangers are going to win in five. I hope the Orioles win. I'm going to root for them. But I wonder with Bruce Bochy and what he's had to get his team ready for this spot, for this particular series. And I know the Orioles can mash just as the Texas Rangers can. And who knows, this could be a high-scoring series. But I think when it's all said and done, something tells me that it's going to be a Game 5 at Camden Yards and the Rangers are going to pull it out. In the National League, a rematch of Philly and Atlanta. I'd be shocked if Atlanta, for the second year in a row, lose in the same round that they did last year to the same team. I can't see it. They've had a big year. To me, it's World Series win or bust. Anything short of that, this will be a disappointing season considering how they've played all year long. 
And we know their pitching isn't great. Yes, they have big names there with Spencer Strider, with Max Fried, who's going to come back into the rotation. But if there's one Achilles heel on the Atlanta Braves, and you could even maybe say the back of the bullpen with Rysel Iglesias, I don't know if you trust him wholeheartedly. And I understand Craig Kimbrell is a walking tightrope every time he comes in for the Phillies, the former Brave himself. But I don't know how this series is going to shake down, but I think that the Braves are going to prevail and win in five. I think this could be a tooth and nail. You're going to see some drama. Who knows? You may even see some intensity when it comes to the Phillies who have a bunch of grinders on their team. And who knows if you're going to have the Braves get out to a big lead, let's say in game one, where they're going to pimp home runs left and right. The Ronald Acuna Juniors of the world. The Marcelo Zunas. And maybe you'll get a couple of brushbacks. Maybe you'll get some stares. You'll get some chirping, some words. Because I'm sure the Phillies, they're going to be staring at them eyeball to eyeball and not have a worry in the world. But I think for the second year, there's no way that the Braves, with everything that they've done this year, that I can't see them falling flat on their face. Now, I'm going to root for the Phillies, but I think the Braves are going to win in five. And then Arizona, give it up for what they've done, but the buck stops here. The baseball powers that be have to reseed this format because for the Braves have to play the Phillies where the Phillies should be playing the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks to play the Braves it's unfair but I think the Dodgers this has sweep written all over it I get it that the Diamondbacks will pitch Merrill Kelly in game one and because of the day off on Sunday they'll pick up their series on Monday so for Zach Gallen who pitched yesterday he could actually pitch game two so they'll have their Two-headed monster of Kelly and Gallon going games one and two. But the Dodgers are well-rested. And also the Dodgers know about having that week off to where they lost to the Padres in this round last year. And maybe they got tight. Maybe they knew that the stepbrother from down the road there, two hours south of LA, were just primed and ready to finally beat the Dodgers in a big spot. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to have any shot. I'm picking them. Sadly, the Dodgers to sweep the Diamondbacks out of the postseason and therefore move on to the championship series, which would be a week from this coming, or probably the following week will be Tuesday because if these series go five games, games one and two, I believe, will start next weekend. I got my schedule all mixed up because I'm thinking it's a seven-game series, but hey, I just said that these series are going to go five games and here I am thinking that's going to start a week from this coming Tuesday. Not the case. J. Reels, get it together. So that's what we have there with the baseball. Before I move on, a couple of quickies. Terry Francona steps down as manager of the Guardians. Does this mean retirement? Is this the end for Tito Francona? Maybe because of all the health issues that he's had over the years. And maybe it's time for him to just step down and go off into the sunset. We all know that he's headed for Cooperstown when it's all said and done. Two-time World Series winner with the Red Sox, as we know, back in the 2000s and just bringing Guardian teams into the postseason. I understand it didn't really do too much. Did not have a lot of success as far as championship series or even World Series for that matter. But with a manager like that at the helm, you know that you're going to have a shot. And this year, of course, they just did not have the talent. They did not have the wherewithal to get themselves back into the playoff mix. But for Tito Francona... What a wonderful career, and Cooperstown awaits as he will have his day in the sun sometime in the next few years. And then quickly, the Buck Showalter fallout. I know I didn't really unpack it a lot there on Monday. I did express my thoughts, feelings, etc., but I thought he was going to be gone even after the trade deadline because I'm thinking to myself, why is he going to stay around if this team is going to be in retool mode and not reload mode? How I felt was he was going to be gone and maybe because that was in my gut and you could check those receipts back sometime in late July, early August. But for the Mets to do Showalter the way they did was disgraceful. And I'll just leave it at that because based on the report that I read Sunday morning is that Showalter was going to step down as manager knowing that the organization was pivoting and going in a different direction and not looking to go for a World Series next year, which was the reason why Showalter was brought to New York in the first place. But then afterwards, you start reading how Showalter was let go, the Mets part ways with their skipper, etc., etc. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, that wasn't what I read. And then obviously the fallout from that, 
became a thing where Showalter got a raw deal. He couldn't play out or manage his last year where he signed a three-year deal. Just haven't played out and maybe go another direction after next year. But if David Stern's already putting his fingerprints all over this organization, this team heading into 2024, not to say that this is the impending doom or it certainly doesn't bode well, but let's see who that next manager is going to be. And you know I'm going to be <clears throat> clearing my throat and getting ready to voice my feelings and opinions on that. So you definitely want to stay tuned for when that time comes here on the podcast or even on the channel there at YouTube, as I mentioned at the top of the program. All right, let me cut right to it. NFL, not much to really sink your teeth into as far as a schedule goes, as evidenced by the Thursday night game tonight, which is Bears at Commanders. Sorry, maybe there's a movie that I haven't watched or a 30 for 30 that I could pop on because there is no way, shape, or form that I'm even going to watch that. And before you say, Jay Reels, come on, what type of podcast host are you to not want to watch an NFL game, so on and so forth? Well, here's the problem with the NFL, how they're spreading their product thin with all these mouths to feed, Amazon Prime, NBC, ESPN slash ABC, the 425 CBS game. You're going to have a... Prime game, Miami and the Jets, which is probably going to be awful at this point, even though the Jets showed you a little fight there against Kansas City, but who knows what their record's going to be the day after Thanksgiving. So yeah, when you have all these different outlets that you have to appease because they lash down the, not big bucks, but the ginormous bucks that have these games streamed or shown on TV, cable, etc., you got to give them something. So unfortunately, eh, all right, we'll give you Chicago-Washington early in the year because we're going to try to save the better games for later in the year. So therefore, I'm going to give it a stiff arm and say, uh uh-uh, I'll watch something else. But the big game this week is Dallas at San Francisco and how this game means so much for the Cowboys that it is not even funny. The Cowboys, if they lose a 28-24 game, can you live with it, Cowboy fans? I guess you have to. But... As long as it's not based on Dak Prescott, let's say down 28-24 with a minute 35 to go and two timeouts, where he's going to have to go to the length of the field, where they either go three and out or he throws a terrible pick, that I'm sure you definitely don't want to live with, and I can understand that. But if it comes down to a last-second field goal or Brock Purdy somehow, some way marches down the field, which we have not seen over the course of his 10-11 game career here in the NFL, but let's just say if it's 24 21 and the Niners get a touchdown to cap off a game-winning drive with seconds left on the clock then we could target the Cowboy defense as spitting up the game but how I look at it the Cowboys have to show up here in this game they cannot have a performance like they've had in the playoff game last year where they only put up what 12 points I believe it was or 16 points and they have to I'm not going to say they have to go up and down the field we know how stout that Niner defense is but they have to really flex their muscle offensively and also get some turnovers, get Brock Purdy in situations where he's going to be uncomfortable and let's see how, if they rise to the occasion and show the world that they belong on the same field with the 49ers and that is your Sunday night NBC game which I'm sure is going to draw a rating unlike any we've seen in the regular season in quite some time. And as it was, speaking of which, the Monday night game or was it Monday, the Sunday night game, excuse me, this is why, again, you have Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night, you have all these different nights to think about these games, the Chief Jet game on Sunday night drew 27 million viewers, a lot of that had to do with Taylor Swift, but even with that dynamic, that was the highest rated game, I believe, or highest rated watch TV event since the Super Bowl. And of course, content is king, the NFL, bulletproof, the shield, etc. But please, if the Swifties or the Taylor Swift fan came out and want to watch just to see her in a luxury box or a suite with Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively and whatever other celebrity that was in there, then I got to watch something else. Because it's not as if the NFL needs to attract more fans. And I understand the NFL, they jumped on this and they defend them focusing on this pop cultural moment with Swift being in the box and being in an NFL stadium, not performing in a concert, but more so in the stadium, dating one of its most popular players that seems to be everywhere, podcasts, commercials, you name it. 
and they are riding this sucker until the wheels fall off, all right, the NFL is not going to poo-poo that or they're not going to say, ah, we don't need Taylor Swift. No, they're going to, like I said, they're going to ride this sucker until it just falls apart. And is it smart in the NFL? I guess it is, but what, they need more fans? That's my point. But anyway, the rest of the schedule, there really isn't much to sink your teeth into. You have a game, which I get it, had some appeal where Buffalo and Jacksonville in London, I might add, and that benefits, I think, Jacksonville only because they've been in London here for the last week. And Buffalo, I believe they probably arrived sometime yesterday, you would think, just to get acclimated for the couple days that they're going to be overseas. But for... Jacksonville, who's going to be the road team, and 9.30 here in the East, where the Jaguars are already going to have their fill for being across the pond, and you wonder if the Bills are going to be able to acclimate themselves to where they'll be ready and prepared to play, but with Jacksonville having that slight advantage, who knows? That could go a long way as to who comes out victorious, despite the fact that Buffalo coming in red hot after winning 48-20 against the Dolphins in their building this past Sunday, but... Baltimore-Pittsburgh, who knows with Kenny Pickett. He says that he's good to go, so he's going to probably play here come Sunday, but it certainly is going to be a far cry from Ravens-Steeler games of the past. You have Philadelphia at the Rams. I know the Rams are 2-2 two and two and played well, and Philadelphia 4-0. and oh, eh. You have the Giants going down to Miami. Ugh. Houston and Atlanta, a little bit intriguing. Because you have Atlanta who's played well. I know they lost their last two. But C.J. Stroud and company in Houston, they are 2-2. Two and two, So maybe that's a game that not a lot of sex appeal. But maybe you could keep an eye on. Jets in Denver. It's been quiet here on this front with the Nathaniel Hackett comments by Sean Payton in the preseason. So who knows how that game's going to unfold. But that is a must win for the Jets. Because who do they face after that? The Eagles. And if they lose this game to Denver, who had to come back from what was it, 28-3 down or whatever the score was against the Bears and win that game. But this is an absolute must for the Jets to win if they have any chance to be part of the AFC wildcard playoff mix. Kansas City, Minnesota. Cincinnati, Arizona. New Orleans at New England. Tennessee at Indianapolis. Uh, Please, is that a game I'm going to break out the pom-poms for? Absolutely not. So that's your NFL schedule here and your Monday night game is Green Bay at Vegas. Woo! Slim Pickens. And this is what I mean when you have to spread yourself thin. Yeah, they may look good when you check out the schedule in May, but now that here we are in early October, a majority of these games are, ugh, avert your eyes. And as for college football, this is what you got this weekend. The two games that you could really rally around. The first one being the Red River shootout between Oklahoma and Texas. We all know that that's a rivalry game that goes back to the beginning of time. Texas, as we all know, they have played well and have put themselves in position that maybe, just maybe, they could be a part of the college football playoff mix. And I understand we're about seven weeks, I would say, from really rolling up our sleeves and sinking our teeth into that. But between Oklahoma and Texas, that's always a game that's going to be on a lot of people's radar when it comes to college football. We know Texas ranked three in the country, Oklahoma at 12. So you have that. And then the other game, you have Alabama going to Texas A&M. And I understand A&M, it's not like we could go back to the days of Johnny Manziel. But A&M, you know they're going to be fired up and ready to go against Nick Saban. And as we've seen, this isn't your vintage Alabama team. Although they're still very good and are on the periphery when it comes to the Final Four in college football. But those are two games that I would take a look at here this week. Other than that, Maybe Washington State, UCLA, maybe that's a game that we can look at where they have to go on the road and let's see if the Bruins could pull off an upset. When I look here, Kentucky and Georgia, I think that this is going to be a tall order for Kentucky. And Georgia hasn't played well either. It's not as if Georgia's beaten everybody, you know, 50-3. to But Kentucky, based on what they did to Florida last week in their building, can they carry any of that momentum down to Georgia to see what they could do and hang tight with the Bulldogs? Possible, but I can see Georgia prevailing when it's all said and done. Notre Dame-Louisville, because they're both ranked, especially Louisville, 25th right now, I'm not going to get geeked up over that. So to me, that's what you have there in college football this week. 
Well, it's just about that time, hockey fans, as the puck will drop come Tuesday. And my apologies, I don't know where I read that the NHL season weeks ago, and I believe this was in the early part of last month when I was trying to look over the horizon for the NBA and NHL seasons as to when they're beginning. I know basketball starts October 24th. That is a given. But why I got October 7th, I must have been in a slumber. Who knows? But the season will begin in earnest on Tuesday, which will be October the 10th. And as we go through a preview here and predictions, etc., over in the win totals, which I'm going to do on the fly. And this is dangerous. This has 0-6 written all over it. I didn't do my homework, people. And that is just a cardinal sin when it comes to picking these numbers. And this is just for fun because at the end of the day, when I talk about over in the win totals, it's just about trying to get an idea as to which teams will go over, under, etc. And if it said over in the win totals, it's actually point totals. Because the NHL isn't based on wins, it's a matter of how many points they have throughout the course of the year. But I'll get to that in a minute. To me, the three big storylines going into this NHL season. First off, are the Vegas Golden Knights primed for a repeat? Now, we understand they had a big year last year. Very competitive out in that Pacific Division with Edmonton. As they went mano a mano down to, down to the wire at the end of the season and Vegas was able to beat Edmonton in the second round before going to a cup final and beating the Florida Panthers. But with everything that they've finally been able to put together going back to that first year where they went to a cup final and lost to the Washington Capitals and then the bookend that with a cup win, is this a team that we could look at in a loaded Western Conference? Because you have Colorado, you have Edmonton, you have Dallas, And I'm sure you have a couple of teams that could be waiting in the wings to maybe take that next step, whether it's Minnesota, for one. But for Vegas, are they primed for a repeat? They have the talent, that building, for whatever the reason, and that area, they just love their hockey team. That's an original team. It's not as if the Raiders came from Oakland or even the A's who will be there in the years to come. This is Vegas' team. So I'm sure they're going to be ready come when the puck drops there against Seattle, I believe, on opening night. And they'll raise their first banner to the rafters. Will they be ready to defend that title? To me, that's story number one. The other story has to be, are the Maple Leafs ready to take that next step? The team is getting older. I understand Austin Matthews is at the peak of his powers. But Jonathan Tavares, a guy who is now the elder statesman of the team. He's been there. I believe this is going to be his fifth year. And although they finally got through the obstacle, the barrier... The hurdle of winning a first-round playoff series as they did last year, and even though they really just imploded there and give it up to the Panthers and what they did by winning in five, are they going to take that next step? Are they going to get to a conference final? Can they even threaten in the Eastern Conference to get to a Stanley Cup final? Can they finally get over the 56-year hex of not winning a Stanley Cup championship? To me, that is number two. And then the third one is... As loaded as the West is, I think the East is just as balanced when it comes to big teams. And people want to say Pittsburgh now that they had this acquisition here and bringing back the likes of Crosby, Malkin, Latang as they did last year. But whether it is the Penguins, whether the Rangers are ready to take that next step, the Hurricanes who had a very good year last year, can the Panthers do anything close to what they did last year? Maybe not so in the regular season, but come postseason time. We talked about Toronto, Tampa, who is not going to have their goalie to start off the year. And are they going to be a team to be reckoned with? What about the Red Wings? Now, I'm not going to say cup final, but the Red Wings are looking at a renaissance here as they bring in a guy like Alex DeBrincat to be the Matthew Kachuk of last year when they had that trade with Calgary and Florida. I think there's a lot of parity and a lot of balance in both of these conferences. It's not like the NBA where you look at Milwaukee, Boston, and then, all right, maybe Miami. Oh, could Philly do it? And everybody else. And then the Western Conference in the NBA is loaded. You have maybe five teams that could be a one seed when it's all said and done. But for the NHL, the parity, the balance, even the Devils, I can't discount them and what they did last year and looking to take the next step, maybe get to a conference final. I think it's a toss-up. There are plenty of teams that you could probably count on both hands that could win a Stanley Cup going into this year. And to me, that's the third story. And that's the beauty of hockey. And I get it that it's a long marathon. Not many people care until you get to mid-April. And then, of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs, they are as thrilling and as riveting as they could possibly be. But for a year that there's a lot of anticipation to the hockey fan, I get it. 
But with some of those storylines and even with some of the player movement that's happened and not that there was a ton of big time similar to the NBA where you didn't have big time free agents go here or go there. You had a lot of trades. The Penguins upgraded their back line which was huge for them because we know that they although are long in the tooth but they do have some offensive firepower, know-how and the championship medal that they've had but that is now five, six, seven years ago. I don't know if this team is going to be capable to keep up with the young guns in the Eastern Conference and have a deep run in them. So we could talk about how they've retooled a little bit. We could also talk about Alexander Ovechkin trying to inch closer to Wayne Gretzky. The 897 that he has where Ovechkin is somewhere, I don't know, I think 807 or maybe he's even above that. But there are a ton of storylines and there is a lot of hope for a lot of teams. Now you're going to have some bad teams too. Also Ottawa have to throw in there too as they made a lot of big moves here this offseason. Are they going to compete for a Stanley Cup? Probably not. But they could be a team that can make some hay and cause some havoc there on the way to maybe securing a playoff berth. And who knows, we have seen time after time that it is a crapshoot once you get into the tournament. So with that being said, I know usually in the past I go through divisions, I go through certain scenarios with these teams, and I'm going to take a little bit of a different tack this time around because I'm not going to sit here and break down each division because as we all know, again, similar to the NBA, I'm not going to say, oh, what's going to happen in the Atlantic? What's going to happen in the Midwest? What's going to happen in the Central? No, because as we all know, it's all about what teams are going to take that leap, what teams are going to take that next step, and what they do from those steps to get to a postseason and that point on, obviously we have to wait and see until how that all unfolds. But I think that the teams that could have some big-time years this year, and I already mentioned it, the Red Wings, the Senators, those are two teams just in the Atlantic Division alone. And even the Sabres, for that matter, they could actually maybe be a team or teams that could take that next step, that could maybe sneak up on teams that could be a threat maybe in the East to the point where maybe they could get in the postseason and obviously injuries, health, and all play a huge part, not only just for those teams, but for every team for that matter. But I would like to see what's going to happen with those three teams is I think that they could take some big-time leaps here for the 23-24 campaign. And then you also have Connor Bedard, the number one pick overall, supposed to be the next generational player in Chicago. I understand that not that may not be a big storyline, but considering Jonathan Taze is not going to come back anytime soon, we know Patrick Kane is a free agent, and rumor has it that he may go play in Buffalo, where he grew up, where if he's healthy and that hip is 100%, maybe the Sabres will take a shot at Kane to bring him back home to kind of nurture the younger players who knows what it takes to win. And I know Kane has had a checkered pass when it comes to incidents off the ice. I understand it was many years ago, but you would think he's matured and has prospered from that but those are some teams there that I look at and even with the Blackhawks I know Bedard is going to have that spotlight on him to see how far he's going to go in Chicago as right now the training camp and what he's experienced so far he's felt comfortable being in a Blackhawk uniform taking that responsibility of being the number one overall and maybe a guy that could carry the mantle even in a time where Connor McDavid it's his league and everybody else So we'll have to certainly keep attuned to what's happening there in the Windy City. And as far as teams that could go backwards or teams that may not be up to snuff and could be disappointing, it's quite possible that you could look at the Florida Panthers. We understand what they did in the postseason and how valiant they were in the first round beating that big bad Bruin team and getting to a Stanley Cup. But you wonder if there's going to be a little hangover You wonder if they're going to be slow out of the gate. And as we saw there last year, they were a team that didn't come out like gangbusters. They kind of meandered throughout the regular season. And then as you got toward the latter part of the year, they turned it on to where they secured themselves a playoff berth and went all the way to the cup final as an eighth seed. Now, can they do that again? Not to say as an eighth seed, but will they have a lot of success and try to piggyback from what took place in April, May, and June to see whether or not that they could rally around that and have that unfinished business title to go into the season to use that as a mantra as for them to wrap their arms around to get off to a good start to kind of show and prove that they weren't an eight seed that they belong as one of the top teams in the sport I could see them 
coming out of the gate a little slow. I would also think another team that could be that way could be the Seattle Kraken. Now, I hope the Kraken do well. And remember, their first year, they played like an expansion team. And then last year, they upended the Colorado Avalanche in the first round, the defending Stanley Cup champ. And then in the second round, they played a seventh game against the Vegas Golden Knights and really showed that could this team be on the trajectory to where they're going to become better this year, build off of this to be a team to be reckoned with and maybe even get to a conference final or dare I say Stanley Cup final. I know there's going to be a lot of expectations to build off of last year and who knows, they do have a lot of veteran players on that team. They did show a lot of gumption and a lot of toughness last year, but maybe reading the press clippings, and I understand hockey's a different beast from some of the other sports, a la football, basketball, etc., to where you are a young team, or a team in this case is going into their third year of existence to where they could look at, hey, look at what we did last year, and let's just bank on what we did, that we could just lace up the skates, go out there, and we'll win 4-2, 3-1 type games. Well, they are going to have to play these games, and I could see them also struggling a little bit. Not to say they're not going to make the playoffs or have a season to forget, but I could see Seattle taking a step back, at least out of the gate, to be a disappointing team. And who knows? Maybe they'll be that team that's on the fringe of making it and qualifying for the playoffs, and altogether, maybe being on the outside looking in. So those are the two teams that I look at that could be disappointing, that may not even make it to the postseason, And who knows, could have long seasons altogether. Now, as far as my Stanley Cup final prediction, I waffled back and forth. This one I did think long and hard. And I don't want to be chalk. I don't want to pick the obvious teams. I kind of hate to do that. Listen, I'm not going to pick San Jose and Ottawa. You know, I'm not going to go as crazy as picking a strange Stanley Cup like that. You know, I want to be reasonable. I want to look at the teams where I think that they could take that leap or a team that's on the cusp of getting to a cup and not only winning, but also just having that run to where they finally get over the hump. And every year I picked the Edmonton Oilers, or at least the last two years I've had, where I picked the Rangers in Edmonton two years ago, and last year I picked the Islanders in Edmonton to get to a Stanley Cup final. Maybe I, that's in reverse. I picked Islanders Edmonton two years ago, and last year I picked Rangers Edmonton. So I got all mixed up. So no, I'm not going to pick Devils Edmonton just to kind of get the trifecta of the teams here locally. Uh, I'm going to pick Edmonton again. This is the third time's a charm, so I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to pick the Oilers. I'm going to pick them to win. You figure at some point, Connor McDavid is going to win a cup. That's the last thing that needs to be on his resume as well as a Conn Smythe Trophy winner to be the playoff MVP. But with that, and on top of that, on the Eastern Conference, who's going to come out of that? Dare I say this? An all-Canada Stanley Cup final? What the hell? I'm picking the Maple Leafs. Let's get the Maple Leafs to a Stanley Cup final and have Edmonton play. And I'm sure nobody's going to watch south of the border unless you're a dynamo hockey fan. But I'm going to think Edmonton's going to win. I'll say Edmonton in seven just for the hell of it. So I'm going to piss off the Ranger fan, the Colorado Avalanche fan, maybe even the Vegas Golden Knight fan the four of you outside of the Vegas, Reno, Henderson area. So that is my Stanley Cup final pick. And you know what? Time is ticking here. So I'm just going to, I'll do this. Go to my YouTube channel. I'm going to pick my over on the win totals because as much as I wanted to go into this blindly, I got to be a little bit smarter than that. I'm not going to cheat out the listener or the hockey fan who has come to me to listen. Oh, what does Jay Reels have to say about this? And just kind of throw out teams. I have teams I'm going to pick. But if I have four of the six over-unders, I'm just not going to say, all right, well, this one, I'll pick the the Flyers and the under, and I'll pick uh, Columbus as an over. I'm not going to do that to you. That shows a lack of integrity on my part. And, of course, I take pride in what I do. So... Before the season starts Tuesday, I will have my over under win totals. So check them out on my YouTube channel at J Reels as I'll break it down for you and give you the full slate three overs, three unders, and who those teams will be with a little description of each. And away we go. And then lastly, let me get to the NBA as the association is starting to percolate a little bit. And you had a couple of news items here. Over the last pretty much 24 hours where James Harden reported to camp 
where the team is in Colorado at the University of Colorado or Colorado State University, excuse me, I'm thinking of the Buffaloes and not the Rams. For whatever the reason, they're out in Colorado just training for the next couple of days before they fly, excuse me, back east to play the Celtics there in their first preseason game on Sunday, which will be on ESPN. But James Harden, we all know about the saga and calling Daryl Morey a liar and him wanting to be traded and who knows how this is going to come about here over the coming days and weeks leading up to the season. But the only reason why I bring it up that he's reported to camp is what's going to happen next. I can't tell you. And quite frankly, wake me up and then I'll go into it. Does he still want to get traded to LA? Who is LA willing to give up? Is LA really entertaining the thought of having James Harden on the team to go along with Russell Westbrook for a third go around, whether it was in Oklahoma City or even with the Houston Rockets there a few years back? I don't know if that's going to be the case. Is Harding just going to have to suck it up and deal with playing in Philadelphia for another year and having to feel the wrath of the fans? And who knows how the fan base feels about Harden? I would think he is not in good graces with the diehards of the Sixer faithful, but we will wait and see. And you know I'll throw in my two cents when the time comes. And then you have a little bit of a friendly banter. Maybe friendly is a little bit too strong or using that a little bit too loosely. But for the Nuggets and Lakers who are going to tip off the NBA season there on October 24th as the first game of the NBA year where the Lakers and Nuggets will revisit their Western Conference final matchup of this past spring into summer and how LeBron and AD have taken notice to some of the things that the coach Michael Malone has said, especially during the parade in downtown Denver, where it's stuck in the back of their mind saying that, oh yeah, we know they won and we'll give it up to them, but that's not going to mean a thing come opening night. Same for Austin Reeves, who had a couple of things to say. And even LeBron had chirped back, I believe with a tweet, in the direction of Michael Malone without calling his name out. And all Michael Malone said that if we're still in their heads, that's on them. So whatever what was said from the parade that had gotten back to the Lakers, and then now with training camp in full bloom, and what has been said in Laker camp, directed, shots fired toward the Nuggets, should have some drama and some intrigue there on opening night between the two teams as they will face off to start the NBA season. I don't know, it may be much ado about nothing. I'm sure the players are just going to brush it off their shoulder as we get closer and leading up to opening night there on the 24th but at least it adds a little spice a little flavor to see what could possibly happen not to say there's going to be a brawl or any type of tempest flaring or intensity to the point where it's going to match anything close to what it could be come playoff time that will have to wait but for right now at least it gives you some juice at least it gives you a storyline leading into the NBA season, which we will discuss, of course, when I get back from my sojourn in Europe, and I will divulge a little bit more when the time comes on the next podcast, which will be 10 days from today, as I put a lid on this podcast, as always. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for carving out precious Time out of your day to listen to what it is I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, review. Please do so on wherever you get your podcast. Throw me a few stars, write a review. As I mentioned at the very top, it'll just increase the visibility with all the other podcasts that are out there for those who aren't familiar with the j Reels podcast. So if you could do that, I sincerely appreciate it. And one more time, if you want to subscribe, please do so on my YouTube channel, at JReels. Hit me up with a question, comment, or suggestion there or... On Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, at the J Reels Podcast, X, Twitter, J Reels One, just a number, or the old fashioned way, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to do, people. It's in the blood, it's in the DNA, as I like to say, with nothing but fire, passion, energy, fury. Where else are you going to get all these sports, all these different topics in one podcast in roughly one hour? I'm listening. I got my hands over my ears to kind of get a sense, to get a feel, to get a taste of what other podcast out there that's doing this because my thoughts, opinions, analysis, critiques, praise, feelings, 
unlike any other with anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Center to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. Enjoy the next 10 days of what's happening in the world of sports. Again, follow me on YouTube. I can't stress it enough. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>